Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Standing near to you, if you will. Amen. Tell them how glad you are to see them in the house of the Lord this evening. Amen. Be kind. Amen. Compassionate to one another. Amen. We're grateful for each that have been in the house of the Lord. Amen. On this Sunday, amen, service. With several that are, some that are traveling home from 4th of the July activities and having been away. And uh, others that have been been contained in hospital situations uh, we are glad for those that are here tonight so glad to see the Adams family here again uh, this evening to see them and, and the kids and glad to have the Jones family with us tonight as well amen so thankful uh, for these that have come and uh, we're appreciative of the Lord amen as as you stand tonight and turn to the book of 2nd Samuel chapter 21 you're turning there this evening just a reminder that next Sunday we have one service in the a.m. it is our Sunday right before camp meeting camp meeting is going to be starting not this Monday but the following Monday at Frankfort Indiana we're expecting good time uh, in the house of the Lord and so as years gone by we used to do our Sunday school picnic on on that Sunday and come to find out by the time we all got left and cleaned up we were so slap tired and still had to pack and load stuff and such that uh, we just do one service and we already did our Sunday school picnic a few Sundays back and so it just has, has seemed to work well that way and we're thankful for those of you that are going to camp or have the opportunity to go now with that being said those that are left behind not from the rapture but from going to camp uh, we will we will the Wednesday of the Wednesday of camp meeting the church will be open at regular time at seven and that will be open for prayer for those that are still here and so you still can come together with your brothers and sisters in the Lord and have corporate prayer uh, together as long as you as long as you uh, wish and desire and uh, you can be praying for those that are at camp and at service God would enthuse and so on and so forth and come back and energize amen perhaps us all and so that will still be taking place on the Wednesday uh, while we are gone amen second Samuel chapter 21 and we're going to begin reading with verse with verse number 15 here tonight the lord willing the lord help i want to read just a few verses of scripture in your hearing this evening and we'll see what the lord amen has to say the bible says that the spirit speaketh expressively speaketh expressively and so as i've oftentimes said the spirit is always speaking and it for sure is speaking through its word sometimes we just got to dial into the frequency Amen of what it is saying. And so I hope we can do that here this evening. 2 Samuel 21, reading verse number 15. The Bible says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbibnab, which was the sons of the giant, that weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. He being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zerui, secured him or helped or aided him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. I want to turn your, your attention just one more time to verse number 16. The Bible is describing once again a giant that is coming to David, has intentions of killing David, and it says plainly as it lists the different armament or even weaponry that he has, it says he being girded, that last phrase, he being girded with a new sword thought to have slain David. Tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to minister this, and we'll understand it perhaps better by and by. I want to preach new swords and old warriors. New swords and old warriors. Hallelujah. We want heaven to speak to us tonight through his word. 
Amen. Will you help me pray? God's word doesn't need me any help. Amen. But me as a messenger, lips of clay, fallible man, I need help tonight. Lord Jesus, we come to you this evening. I pray, oh God, that you're able to minister, Lord Jesus, in this place. God, to these people. God, before we are ever arrived at this moment, God, you already knew, God, who would be here, God, and what the needs are represented in this place. I pray, oh God, tonight, Lord, mark any air from my mind and from my lips. I pray, God, help me, Lord Jesus, to be able to speak the word of the Lord. God, in a way that's understandable, in a way, God, that your people, Lord, can grasp. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, we know in them is a life, God, and I pray, God, let them be life to your hearers. God, and will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your Lord Jesus' word and what it accomplishes in our lives. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray in the church, say amen. 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 You may be seated this evening in Jesus' name. New swords and old warriors. This is not anything uncommon to David, not anything uncommon to Israel, and that is this, that they were meeting once again some giants within their lives. Giants had long time been part of the history of the earth up to this point in Scripture. According to the Word of God, giants were in the earth all the way back in the time and in the days of Noah. They were known for their great size. They were known for their power. They were illustrated in the scripture as having a domineering presence. It was the Anakim or the sons of Anak that gave Israel pause whenever they considered entering that land of promise, the land of Canaan, when they realized that there were the sons of Anak, a, a people of giants that were there. It caused them to pause in their overtaking the land of promise that God said was theirs. They, they could not in their minds or in their hearts dismiss these men that were great of stature that they saw, these giants that inhabited the land, insomuch that the Bible says that they said we were as grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. It's because of these giants that inhabited the land. It was these giants the three sons of Anak that the Bible records that a zealous Caleb 40 years later going back to the Jordan River one more time and crossing over that he would drive from the inheritance that he knew was his 40 years prior and he was begging of Joshua give me my mountain but he knew he would have to face the giants there and indeed he did. It was in the scripture that the Bible says that even those that are mentioned and called the Amorites that dwelt in the mountains that they were described in scripture as having the height of some great cedar trees and the Bible describes them they had the strength of great oak trees they were of domineering size and capacity they were giants of the land at least 20 times in scripture the Bible says the Rephaim giants are mentioned concerning Israel's conquest of Canaan that land of promise there were some that were mentioned like Og of Bashan that was encountered on the east side of Jordan before they ever entered the promised land who's the only details we really have of him is the size of his iron bed he was a giant to be contended with but there were also giants on the west side of Jordan inside the promised land they had to contend with as well God had told Moses as they were marching as they were tenacious toward their promised land God had told him and the children of Israel as they passed through Mount Sierra which, 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 which was in the location outside of the land of promise he said you can't stay in Mount Sierra this is not what I've devised for you this land right here that you're presently walking through is for the children of Esau they dwell there that is their possession and yet with the same breath he told them that there was a day that Esau even these kindred of yours that they had to come against many people that were tall and great and powerful the Anakim dwelt there as well and they accounted them as 
giants. That's what the Bible says. And so what that comes to mean is this. It doesn't matter if you're on the east side of Jordan or the west side of Jordan. It doesn't matter if you're in the promised land or you're beyond the promised land. There's a simple principle in scripture. Giants have to be dealt with wherever they may be. It doesn't matter if it's in the land of promise or outside of the land of promise. If you are the children of Israel, the children of Jacob, or the children of Esau, giants must be dealt with. Amen. Everyone deals with something that is towering or something that is menacing, something that is deemed as powerful, big, giant, foreboding, if you will, in their lives. Giants must be dealt with. The Lord even said concerning Esau and those that were in the land of Edom of Mount Seir, he says, Esau succeeded them, speaking of the giants, because they had destroyed the giants that were before them. And then they went and dwelt in their stead. And he says, so if you know if on this side of the Jordan they had to contend with giants and then inhabit the land, it's not going to be any different for you inheriting your promise. You're going to have to deal with some giants and you're going to have to then dwell in their stead. I've come to tell the church tonight, I've come to tell anybody saved and unsaved alike this evening, that giants are just a part of the dynamic of life. I'm not talking now about things that are towering in the real world of somebody of some tall size, but I'm talking about in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of Christianity and things alike. Giants are just a part of the dynamic of life. There are things to be contended with, things in opposition you're going to come up against. As a matter of fact, it'll happen whether you're in the church or out of the church. Saved or lost, there are giants. There are things that are accounted as giants to the sinner, just the same as there are things that are accounted as giants to the saints. And if you are one or the other, it does not permit you to escape dealing with, confronting giants. As a lad, we know this story very well. But as a lad, some of us do. As a lad, this man David that we read in our scripture setting today, when he was young, the Bible describes that he went into a battle whenever he was to be tending sheep, but his father had sent him to check on his brothers that were in warfare. Israel was on one mount. The Bible says the Philistines were on the other mount. He went into a battle against a giant that many know by the name of Goliath. He went to Goliath, this giant, with the items that he was familiar with. He went with his staff, the Bible says, and his sling and a shepherd's bag or script, whatever you wish to call it, and five smooth stones he went to this battle with. He had refused all of the military armor of King Saul. He tried to put it upon him. He tried to convince him to take it, but he said, no, I, I, I can't take these. I've not proved these. I have no history with these. I, I'll go with what I'm familiar with. And so he goes into that valley of Elah with the things that he's familiar with, and the Bible says, says in 1 Samuel 17, it tells us that Goliath comes forth. This giant, this towering, domineering force comes forth. He has a sword. He has a spear. The Bible says there's a man that runs out in front of him with a shield before him. He has armor that consists of, of a helmet of brass and a coat of mail. He, he has things of brass upon his legs for protection. The Bible says he has a target of brass that's between his shoulders. And yet, the Bible says that David runs out to meet this giant Goliath. And with a sling and a stone and the word of the Lord, he knocks him down. And then runs out to where he knocks him down and takes Goliath's own sword and cuts off the head of Goliath. That sword that he would later go to the temple and get. That, that the priest would say, there is the sword of Goliath here. And David would say, well, there's none like that sword. Give it to me. And David, as a youth, as a young boy, would have to deal with a giant. But in our text, there is another giant that approaches David. He also has a spear. He also has a sword. He is also bent on killing David and taking his life. But at this moment in time of David's life, he is far removed from the lad that he once was. 
He's far removed from being the young, ruddy-faced boy that just tended the sheep of his father. He is an aged man. Some even estimate that David was well over 50 years old by this time. He's no longer a youth. But here is a giant once again approaching the same man. David. He's coming against, if I may uh, couch it in these terms, he's coming now against an old warrior. You remember the giant of David's youth talking about how, hey, you're just a young man. And everybody was saying, you know, this man that you're coming to has been a man of war from his youth. He's going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. But now in David's life, he's coming against a giant and a giant is approaching him. Now he's not wet behind the ears, but he is an old warrior. David, the David that this giant is coming to at this point in time is no stranger to battle. I mean, the refrains of the women singing that Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, they've not grown silent nor have they grown forgotten in the mind of David and those that knew him. As a matter of fact, David is so acquainted with warfare and war that his very involvement in so many wars at one point in time in his life seemed or appeared to even disqualify him from building a house for God. And I don't know if it was so much as, as disqualifying him as much as it was to say, you know what, David, you're more of a fighter than a builder, so why don't you just keep on fighting? We'll find somebody else to build talking about a warrior, talking about somebody that knew how to use a sling, that, that knew how to go into war and be, be victorious and successful in warfare. And it's upon this that I understand in our setting of Scripture tonight, there's only two places in Scripture that I can recall that David ever kept back or refrained from going to war. Whenever they were going against his son Absalom for usurping the throne, they said, David, we think you should keep back. You know, it's kind of a conflict of interest. This is your son, and we know everybody's going to be after you, after the king, coming toward you. And so David, he, he, was, he was giving to their wishes, and he stayed home. And the only other time that I know that David stayed home from war is the Bible says that when kings go to war, that David, amen, hesitated or he stayed home. And it's in that point of time that he committed his sin with Bathsheba in adultery. Out. So there's, there's only two times that I can recall that he refrained from war. So it's no surprise that we see an aged David not sitting at home on the rocking chair, not, not, if you will, enjoying some type of pastime or hobby, but he's out there in the thick, in the midst of battle. An aged David fighting an old enemy, the Philistines, all over again and dealing with giants again. Someone say amen. He has been the only one up to this point in time. Others have fought, but he's the only one up to this point in time that's been ascribed, if you will, the title as, as the giant killer. But here the Bible says that David is in war with an old enemy and giants are presenting themselves again. And the Bible says that David waxed faint. He's an old man. Yes, older man. He has waxed faint. But lest we get the wrong impression from the scripture, let there be clarity tonight that David waxed faint in the sense that the battle now wearies him, but he's not weary with the battle. He's becoming, he's, he wearies him, but he's not weary with the battle. I don't know if David was waxing faint because as of usual, he is the target in the warfare. He is a king. He is a notable warrior, a notable person. So perhaps David may have been partially faint because he's an aged David or perhaps because he was fighting a lot and fighting much. That's all he had ever known to be a fighter, to be a warrior. Amen. Surely with his type of history, the Philistines knew him quite well as an enemy an adversary and they thought if we can take out David then everything will be fine this this giant killer the one that had taken Goliath of Gath amen perhaps they thought we could just wear him down focus upon him maybe David was fighting more than any other soldier I don't know because he's just an old warrior and that's what warriors do they fight huh they fight when they're well. They fight when they're sick. They fight when the odds are against them. They fight when the odds are for them. They're 
He's, he's just an old warrior. But the Bible says that the giant this time that has his intentions of killing David. And I read several translations. His intentions were to kill. His thoughts were to kill. They were resolved. He was resolved to kill. He tried to kill. Determined. Attempted to kill. David. The Bible as it gives his description. It says this giant comes forth. And he has. Note the wording here. He has and is girded with a new sword. And he had thought to have slain David. Can someone say amen? Amen. A new sword. Many of your Bibles, if this does your Bible, then it will be easily to explain. But the word sword in many Bibles is italicized. And most of the time that you see italics in your Bible, amen, of whatever kind it is, you can go to the front and you'll read that italics are there for the purpose of showing that that was a word that was added by the translators, something that the translators added. It's not there originally, but it's there that they they add these words hoping that it will help our understanding or the intent of Scripture. And so the Bible here says that he, he, he had a new sword and he was coming against and had every intention and thought and resolve to kill David. I read several other places in different translations scripture some said that he had new armor that he approached David with or that he had new state of the art weaponry that he approached David with others said that there was a new weapon that he approached David with but whenever I went to the original language the original language just just kind of quotes it like this is that this giant was armed with a new thing doesn't specify what it was doesn't give any details what it was but it's just that the giant came forth with a new thing against an old warrior. Someone say amen. Now there's something that we must understand concerning this new thing mentality. That the only place in scripture, I did a running of reference upon that phrase, new thing. That the only reference there is in scripture of there ever being literally literally something such as a new thing. New things only come from God. All right? As a matter of fact, whenever, whenever Solomon is writing in the book of Ecclesiastes, he speaks and tells us that whatever hath been done is that which shall be, and that which is done which that is that which has already been done. And he says that basically there is no new thing, he said, under the heaven. He says when you're talking about earthly life, when you're talking about, amen, life without God, he said there is no such thing as a new thing. Amen. There is no such thing. They can't come up with something new. They can't create something new. There's no such thing as a new thing whenever it comes to the Lord. Amen. Or whenever it comes to the earthly things. The only time you ever really see a new thing is whenever it's come from God. The Bible says whenever Dathan and Abiram and Korah all rebelled against Moses, that the Bible says that Moses said, Lord, let there be a new thing. He said, let the earth open up and swallow all those that are in rebellion. And that truly was a new thing. And that came from God. The Bible says that the Lord spoke forth in the book of Isaiah. He said, behold, I shall do a new thing. And it shall spring forth. Ye shall not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness. And I will make rivers in the desert. Someone say amen. New things come from the Lord. If he's going to create it, it's God's new thing. It belongs to God. Amen. It only comes from the Lord. And so when I see a giant that is proposing and coming to David and the scripture writes it as though it is bringing a new thing, here's what I want you to grasp tonight. We have a giant that there have always been giants from the times of Noah. But he just has a new facade. What are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? There's always been giants. Amen. There's always been those domineering, powerful, tall, if you wear foreboding things that we have to contend with. If anything, though, sometimes they come to us. They are masqueraded in a different package. They're masqueraded in a different package. They wear a different mask. They go by a new label or another name. But whenever you come down to it, you strip them of all that they're packaged in. They're still just a giant. 
What are you saying tonight, Brother McGee? There are some giants that are still around. They're always going to be around. There's still going to be lust. There's still going to be, if you will, lies. There's still going to be unrighteousness. There's still going to be spirits of adultery. There's still going to be a myriad of things. They are giants that we must and have to contend with. What they do is just package themselves differently for each generation because they want to come forth as something new, something inventive. But I'm here to tell the church tonight, no new sword is any competition for an old warrior. Someone say amen. It's just, it's just dressing it up, Brother Zach, packaging it differently. The pride that took down Lucifer, amen, when he began with his five I wills that we read in the book of Isaiah, I will be like the Most High, I will send into heaven, I will be like God, that was pride. We have pride packaged differently today. Get on Facebook and you see it. Same giant. It's just got a new thing. There are no new devils. There are no new bad spirits. It's just the same old giants. Wanting to come forth, flattering a new thing as though this is different from anything else. But I believe the old warrior David seen it as it was. He says, I don't care what armor you have on. I don't care if it's a new state-of-the-art weaponry. I don't care if it's a new sword or spear or how much it weighs. You're still a giant. I dealt with you when I was a lad. And if I got to deal with you while I'm old, you're no competition to an old warrior. Can I tell the church today that the things that are rising in this hour that's dressed up differently, got different labels, they're still the same old things, but they're no competition to the church. We're still the church triumphant. We've been through the fire, but the fire hasn't burned us. We've been through the water, but the water has not overtaken The water has not overtaken us. Kind of like old Bishop Tenney, bless his heart, Bishop T.F. Tenney used to say. He says, all it is, this is a famous saying of his. He said, all it is, is an old hag in a new dress. You hear what I'm telling you? See, there was a period of time years ago, there's this thing going around called the serpent seed doctrine. Uh-huh. And then there was a period of time that there was this ladder rain doctrine. In our generations, many of you, it's not too far removed, still yet proliferating the land, the emergent church. What is that? A new label. A new thing. But it's the same old hag called false doctrine. Honey, before I die, I guarantee you there's going to be something else come down the pike. With its new thing. But you know what it's going to be at its core? Same old giant that my grandfather fought. We got to make ourselves aware tonight. We got to have our spiritual antennas up. Amen. David recognized a giant as a giant. What he was basically meaning in this moment, he knew I'm not facing anything different than what I faced when I was a young man. And if I was an overcomer then, I can be an overcomer now. It doesn't matter if I'm old. It doesn't matter if the battle is wearing me. I'm not weary with the battle. I'm still eager to fight. I Someone say amen. <laughs> we are dealing today with people that are cowering in dens and caves and corners because some giants have approached with what they are proposing as something new. Some new thing. I think I had one in my pocket, but this is the good too. As something new. It's baffling the aged. It's intimidating the young. The church is sitting there with its tail tucked between its legs. Now what are we going to do with this? I'll tell you what we're going to do with it. We're going to do the same thing that generations before have done with it. We're not cohabitating with it. 
We're not leaving the door open in a certain place for them to dwell. And as long as you don't cross that line, then everything's okay. No, 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 no. We're going to have to do as Moses told the children of Israel. If you're going to inhabit their land, you've got to drive them out first. And I'm here to tell you, we are not in the business of allowing things in and cohabitating saying, well, yeah, but that was that generation. That was something different. No, no. It's nothing different. It's just packaged differently. And we got to be aware. David is old. And notice, notice, the Bible says that Abishai, son of Zeruiah, helped him or hated him because he's faint and he's weary. There are two different schools of thought concerning this. One is that Abishai aided David enough and then that David arose and he is the one that slew Ishbi Benob himself that giant then there's another school of thought that believes that Abishai aided and part of his aiding in of David was taking out the giant for David himself regardless of which the case may be, and I lean toward one or the other, but that, that's for me to know and you to find out. But, 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 but regardless of whatever the way may be, the consensus was, was, was constant among these men. They said, David, we don't want you anymore going out into battle. We're trying to convince you not to because you're, you're a representation of the lamp of Israel. We'd hate for you to go in there and the lamp of Israel to be snuffed out. But the only, the only problem in these gentlemen's thinking was this. They thought the lamp of Israel was just all summed up in David rather than just being initiated by David. They thought if David's gone, then the lamp of Israel's out. But David had been around long enough that he ignited the fire of a nation. He ignited the fire of a people. That's the reason why we're, we're, in, we're in the book of Samuel. But that's the reason why when you go to the books of Kings, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you start reading of different kings that, that came in the northern nation of Israel and the southern nation of Judah. And you read of these different kings. And many times you see this wording after them. Oh, they did evil like the son of, of Jeroboam of Nebat. But then there's other times it said, and he walked in all of the ways of his father, David. Uh -huh. We're talking about after he's been laid to rest, we're seeing some of these things being spoken. This man, that king, he did well. He did all according to the word of the Lord, and he walked after the, after the footsteps of his father, David. Yeah. Not talking about immediate father, but talking about somebody that had influence upon a nation yeah. that ignited a fire. Talking about, if you will, the lamp of Israel. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. David had enough influence in his lifetime that it was not all just self-contained to David. David had influenced those that were under his leadership. David had influenced those that were in his surrounding in so much that whenever David even died, the giant still had to contend, still contend with the spirit of the old warrior that was passed from David to those that he led. Yeah, because, oh yeah, someone say Amen. Because the Bible, when we read of the contention with this giant, we read of four giants, beginning with this one, that these men, whether they were, the Bible proclaims up two of them being mighty men of David, one of them was the brother of David, another was another relative of David, four men that was instrumental in taking out these giants. But the Bible sums it up like this, in 2 Samuel 21 and verse 22, and I didn't give you all that scripture reference, but if you're in 1 Samuel 21, it's there before you. 1 Samuel 21 and verse 22, look what the Bible says. These four were born to the giant in Gath. These giants that they were contending with, these four giants. Look at the wording here. And fell by the hand of David. And by the hand of his servants. Now those that believe the school of thought that Abishai 
aided David, and David was able to arise and kill his own giant in that moment of age, that's great and suffice. The scripture fits that perfectly. But those that are of the school of thought, that Abishai come in and aided David and took out the giant with the new sword. David didn't lift a finger, but he took out the giant. Then we begin to scratch our heads toward that last verse when it says that those four giants were taken by the hand of David and his servants. We scratch our heads a little bit and we start even maybe to proclaim, how can this thing be? That these four giants, that David didn't even lift a hand on, was slain by him and the hands of his servants. Because if David didn't kill anyone here in his age right now, being faint and weary in the battle, the Bible is telling us then that God is giving credit to David for doing it. And I'll tell you why. Because David, when he was a lad, when he was just a boy, when all of Israel was cowering, every time Goliath came out defying the armies of God. You read the scripture. The Bible says the Israelites and the Philistines were fighting. But every time the giant showed himself, Israel went and cowered in the trenches. They're on the trenches. But when David shows up checking on his brothers and he hears the words of this uncircumcised Philistine and he asks if there's not a cause, he says, I'll go do what needs to be done. I'll go forward and fight. Everybody else is cowering. But David's going forth and just saying in so many words, if it's a giant, giants just got to be dealt with. Do you know what that did to a group of people that were cowering over here in the trenches to see one of their own run out to Goliath? Go to him in the name of the Lord. Go to him in the power and the might of God and be victorious. i tell you what that did. That made some young man over there, you know what? Maybe we can kill giants. Maybe we can be giants. And so at the end of his life, when he's weary, <laughs> By the battle, but not weary with the battle. And all four of these giants meet their demise. God says they have failed by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants because the lamp of Israel has ignited a fire in Israel to believe they can take giants down regardless their size, their genealogy, or their description. They Someone say Amen. And so it's on that premise tonight I say very plainly that there is no new sword, new armor, new weapon that is any contention for old warriors because they have went before us. They have showed us we can be victorious. They have showed us we can live godly and righteously and free of defect. Amen. And the holiness and the righteousness of God that we can silence the lies and we can eschew evil. And because they did it, they've ignited a fire in us that says, you know what? If they contended with giants in their generation, what keeps us in our generation? They're not any different. They're just packaged. So would say amen. <laughs> David's initial victory over Goliath. And no doubt his encouragement that he gave to those that were under the auspice of his guidance made all these other victories even in the latter years of David's life, I can almost see him as a, as a mentor looking at those that he has taught, those that he has trained, go out and slay giant after giant and think, boys, I not only taught it, but you caught it. You're not being, you're not being captivated by the newness of the armor. But you're seeing that you're stripping him with your eyes of everything that he has on and seeing it's just another giant. It's still just another domineering force that must be contended with. They were, the Bible says, of that giant of Gath. Maybe perhaps having some relation with Goliath, we know not. But nevertheless, we do know that they were capable of being defeated. And the lamp of Israel shines. I say that present tense. The lamp of Israel shines. 
Brother McGee, David is long dead. The apostle even spoke of the grave on the day of Pentecost. His, his sepulcher is here with us. Yeah. But the lamp of Israel shines in each successive generation of warriors that's been influenced by the Davids that have preceded them. I have oft times said the reason why young men can see visions is because they've climbed up on the shoulders of old men that's dreamed dreams. You hearing what I'm saying? I don't care even how young the generation is. The giants that come, they're fighting an old warrior. It's almost like each succession of the priesthood, right? Aaron being the first high priest. The garments of the priesthood putting on him. The horn of oil being stretched over his head and anointed by Moses for the office of the priesthood, right? But the Bible says the day and the hour in which Aaron was to die, he was to climb up that mountain. Eleazar was to go with him, his son. Moses was to go up there. And this is the word of the Lord to Moses. He said, strip him of his garments. And put them upon Eleazar his son. And when he stripped him of his garments. Aaron died. But those garments went upon Eleazar his son. And he was anointed yes with fresh oil. But there was still saturated in that garment. A previous anointing. That was upon that man. So that whatever Eleazar faced. He wasn't just facing it with his anointing. He was facing it with the anointing of his daddy upon him. And so when the next generation come, it wasn't just a fresh anointing. It was the anointing of Eleazar, the anointing of Aaron. What are you saying? Whatever came against that man was coming against the spirit of an old warrior. (laughs) And nothing quote unquote new that the world can prepackage is any competition for an old anointing of an old warrior that's on my new generation. Look at it, look at it over and over again. Huh? Elisha's following. Elisha's there, Elijah rather. Elisha's following Elijah. Right? He's his help. He's ministering unto him. He's washing the hands, if you will, of Elijah. He came by where Elisha was, was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And the Bible says he just, Elijah just kind of, you know, flopped his mantle upon him. And, you know, kind of took it. And Elisha's like, well, let me, let me bid farewell to my mom and my dad. And, 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 he, and, and Elijah's like, well, what did I do to you? He just had a little touch of the mantle that came upon him in that moment. He said, I'm going to tell mom and dad I'm going and I'm going to under the wood here from, from the yoke. I'm going to burn it and I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to kill the, the oxen that I was here with and we're going to offer them up as sacrifice to God. And he's been walking here now with, with Elijah and he's been ministering to him and, and they're going to Bethel and they're going to Jordan. He's right there on the heels of Elijah and, and then finally uh, uh, Elijah looks at Elisha and he says, what, what do you want me to do for you? What, what, what do you want? And he said, I by and by if I just have a, a, double, a double portion of your spirit a double portion of your spirit whenever you leave and Elijah said you've asked of a hard thing but if you are with me if you see me when I go he said so it be Sure enough, the Bible says that he was taken up in a whirlwind and there was chariots of fire and they split Elisha and Elijah asunder but he was there when it took place the Bible says that that mantle fell to the ground and what happens Elisha picks it up everybody follow me right here now whenever they went over Jordan Elijah took that mantle to the water and it split to the left hand and the right hand and they walked across on dry ground. And the Bible says the sons of the prophets had watched the occurrence happen. Elijah's gone. He's been taken up to the heavens. But Elisha now is approaching the same Jordan wanting to get back over. And the sons of prophets are over there thinking, I wonder what's going to happen. Elijah's not there. He's gone. But Elisha takes that garment, folds it up. He touches those waters. Guess what? They go on the left and on the right hand. And the sons of the prophets say, the spirit of Elijah is now upon Elisha. You know what they're saying? I I, I, I sense the old spirit of the old prophet upon the new generation. 
honey, there, and I know we, we, we all the time say, I say it too, we live in a different generation and, and there are things coming unlike ever before. But the thing is, they're just coming packaged differently than ever before. They're the same old giants. They're going to come, amen, in more deceptive and slyly ways for my children and their children's children than it was my generation. But what we got to understand is the same spirit that conquered when we were youth is the spirit that will conquer in their youth. Yes! Look at it. Look at it. Go real quickly. I, I got to shut up. I know. I understand that. Don't give me the stink eye. I know. Scripture that we love, we adore, that people quote. But it came to me today as I was rehearsing these things in my heart and my mind. Is the scripture of Isaiah 54, notably verse number 16. We quote, or verse number 17 rather. We, we quote these things. The Bible says in verse number 17, No weapon formed against us, against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Notice, he said no weapon our Bible says a new sword some said new armory some said new state of the art weaponry no weapon package it as you will no weapon form you know what he said in the verse previous to that that, that, that Christ said that the Lord said he said I created the blacksmith that bloweth the coast to even create the weapon You know what he's saying? In essence, he's saying, boys, I'm in control. They might devise new quote-unquote weapons, but I created the person that even has the intelligence that knows how to make weapons. The blacksmith that's blowing on the coast, he wouldn't even have breath if I didn't instill it in his body. He says, so I don't care how it's packaged. It's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to come. It's not going to come against thee and it's not, it might come, but it's not going to, it's not going to prosper. They're going to come with the new sword, the new artillery. God never said it wouldn't come. He said it would come. He just said it's not going to. It's going to come with a new mask, a new facade, with a new label, a new title. And people are going to think it's really new, but it's something old. But regardless, he says this, it's not going to prosper. Because you have the spirit of an old warrior. Israel's lamp has not gone out. It still lives in his people. It still lives in his church. Stand with me tonight, if you will. Let me say, let me say to our elders tonight, that the elders, you're never too old to deal with some some giants because they're a constant part of all of our lives in reality they're just trying to dupe us into thinking that it's something that's not yet appeared under the sun but it has it has <laughs> you know you can dress whatever you want to dress it I'm still Paul McGee you know what I mean suit and tie or jeans and a sweater do whatever you want to and it might even be a new sweater thank you very much I'm still Paul McGee. The intent, the content of what it is, is what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. The Philistines was a constant problem for Israel. And if you remember how things were ordered, remember how things were ordered? The Philistines putting Goliath out there. And you remember how the deed... Or the agreement was that they came to, they considered Goliath that giant, their champion. And the way that wars went in that day is just like that. Many times the armies would send out their quote-unquote champion to fight each other. You could minimize fatalities that way. Fight each other. And whoever was the victor, then the others became servants to that army. So what I'm trying to say is this. As long as the Philistines still have their champions, whatever the list may be. Lust, adultery, wickedness, covetousness, jealousy, call it whatever it is. As long as they still have their giants, 
The giants are always going to be coming in every generation. Adorned however they come. Packaged however they come. Trying to challenge and intimidate the children of God. Try to keep them quarantined, coward from fighting. Because they look different than what their generation fought. But it's the exact same thing. If we close our eyes all in this place here this evening. I'm trying to encourage somebody that's sitting in this church house tonight. That the battle may has wearied you, but I believe I'm among people tonight that are not weary with the battle. And using the phraseology, they, they can call a spade a spade. They know a giant when they see one. And you have the understanding here tonight that those giants are no competition to the anointings and the spirits and the victories that we have inherited from our forefathers and as a result of that we can stand <coughs> upon the flags if you will of their victories and we can be victorious in our generation just the same because Israel's lamp has not went out Israel's lamp has not went out and so I'm asking somebody in this place find the tenacity to raise your voice one more time. Find the tenacity to run out on the battlefield one more time because we're fighting the same foe. We're fighting the same opposition. We're fighting the same devils. They might be packaged differently, but the intent and integrity of them are just the same. But here is our confidence. Our God, which was the same yesterday, today, and forever, we run out in the name of the Lord. And victory, victory shall be ours. Hallelujah. These altars are open tonight. Maybe there's somebody under the sound of my voice tonight that says, Brother McGee, I've been contending with something and it, 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 is, it has presented itself to me as, as something new or it's presented itself to me as, as something that no one else has ever dealt with. Let me tell you something, friend. If you are dealing with it, I guarantee you someone of a past generation has dealt with it the same. It's just a lie of the enemy to try to tell you you're up against something that no one else has ever been up against or no other generation has seen. It might look different. It might be masked differently, packaged differently, but it's still a giant, and giants must be dealt with. Is there anybody in this place tonight that would like to come to an altar of prayer and say, Lord, I'm coming forth. Count me in as a warrior. I feel the anointing of generations before me upon me, and I'm willing to deal with the giants in my generation. I'm willing to deal with the giants of my hour, with the thing that would be opposing to me and my family. Oh, yes. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. You're victorious. Israel's lamp's not out. Israel's lamp's not out. Come on, sir, ma'am. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.